Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Welcome to our next podcast. Why should you care about wastewater? Today with us, we've got Sean, as always. Hey there. And Jeff Salthouse. Hi, Jeff. Hello. How are you both doing today? Really well, thanks. We're good. Jeff is the leader of our international team. Jeff, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background on you? Sure. Well, I've been working with Orenco for a little over 20 years and have had an interest in water for probably even longer than that, having grown up in a pristine water-rich environment in a on the island of Grenada in the Caribbean, where there's world-class beaches and beautiful waterfalls, but also, you know, some fairly primitive conditions with, you know, infrastructure that was was lacking. I've ended up working in a water quality lab through college, doing field work in a uh, agricultural field for pesticides transport through soils into the groundwater and continued my research into sewage treatment and collection, specifically natural systems and engineered systems that mimic natural processes. Uh, And that's led me to doing uh, engineering work originally at Orenco and then continuing into more a broader range of of work uh, with the international group there. So why don't you take a quick minute and Define what exactly is wastewater. When we talk about wastewater, what do we mean? I think the fundamentally, it's uh, water that has been contaminated uh, in one way or another. Specifically, the in our arena, wastewater is relating to domestic sewage coming out of homes and commercial facilities. So, whether it's from any of the plumbing fixtures within the house or the facility. And essentially, the water has been used to transport undesirables away from the living area and out into the exterior of primarily a home, as we consider wastewater in the domestic sense, a non-industrial sense. Right. So how long has wastewater treatment been around? Earliest evidence that I think we have of wastewater being managed in some way is in Nosos in Greece on the island of Crete, where they had discovered channels that allowed water to be transported out of the building. And uh, apparently our understanding is that water was flushed Mm-hmm. to move the material, undesirable material, away from the living spaces. Treatment is uh, sort of subjective as far as whether there was any treatment being done back then or if it was just right. being dumped essentially into the environment right. to continue moving it away from the uh, the homes and mm-hmm. buildings at that time. So how has the importance of 
managing wastewater changed over time? Well, I think that our conditions, our societal conditions have changed over time. And you know, as far as population, the density where that population is, is gathered, conditions have changed in environmental impacts, the pressures on resources. Mm-hmm. So while the amount of water available to us globally hasn't really changed, the value of that water has increased certainly in a greater increase an increasingly greater portion of the globe mm-hmm. so we've had to keep try to keep pace with managing the wastewater from as as it has become mo- both more valuable in people's mm-hmm. minds right certainly more scarce in certain areas and we've learned a lot more over time about how to manage right. the wastewater how to transport collect and treat it. So if wastewater management has been around since early Greek times and things have changed, shouldn't we have figured this out by now? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, I think they thought they had it figured out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and things that were appropriate a hundred years ago or, or longer, they were appropriate for those conditions. But I think that the challenge has been that some of the concepts that were developed under very different situations years and years and years ago just really are not the most appropriate approach to take now. So do you think this is a case of where the more things change, the more things stay the same? (laughs) I think it's the, the, the things have changed, but not everything has changed and kept pace. You know, nobody would think about using a hundred-year-old telephone on a daily basis today, right. or you know, driving a hundred-year-old car on a daily basis. And yet, in a huge portion of certainly the United States and a lot of other developed uh, countries, nothing has changed as far as how sewage has been managed mm-hmm. and the approach to taking care of that increasingly more dire problem with environmental degradation due to sewage. Sean, didn't you, in your research for this episode, didn't you find some really interesting statistics? I did. And really, when we're talking about why people should care about wastewater, these statistics are rather sobering. This is all according to the US EPA. And when they talk about this, they're saying saying that approximately 23,000 to 75,000 sanitary sewer overflows happen every single year. And uh, an estimated 3 to 10 billion gallons of untreated wastewater is released from sewage treatment plants annually. That's a lot, a lot of untreated waste. That's only in the U.S., correct? That's only in the U.S., yeah. Yeah. 20% of U.S. homes use septic systems, of which 19% annually could experience failure that may contribute to contamination. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that the, the way that we refer to even... These the issues that you mentioned, Sean. Right, is deceptive. Sanitary sewer overflow. There's nothing sanitary about millions of gallons of sewage being dumped into a river. It shouldn't be accepted. It is most absolutely unsanitary. Uh, But it's an accepted practice. Yeah, it's it's almost designed into the uh, the way that the plants are have been built in for years and years. Designed and for failure. It's at some acceptable. level. Yeah. Except there's an acceptable level. level. 
Yeah. And that there mm-hmm. no knowing what we know about the entire entirety of transport and treatment of, of sewage now, that shouldn't be acceptable in anybody's no. mind. And it unfortunately it's not be. just exactly. And unfortunately mm-hmm. it's not just contained here in the US. Eighty percent mm-hmm. of wastewater worldwide flows back into the ecosystem without being treated or reused, potentially contaminating sources of drinking water. And anybody who cares about the environment, I mean, that should be a huge red flag. Right. So, Jeff, how do you think that treated wastewater and actually wastewater in general is perceived by the general public? Yeah, I think that there's there's probably a pretty growing portion of the public that has changing their perception. You know, the name we use or have used traditionally kind of says it all. It's considered waste. It's really only wastewater if we waste it. The right. water itself is just a vehicle for transporting material from one place to another. It becomes polluted during that process, but it is mm-hmm. virtually 100% reclaimable. So the the yuck factor, the people do, you know, in the past, they just want to get the get the waste out of their site, out of their local environment. And We've had so this the, discussion many a times, haven't we, <laughs> about the yeah. use of the term wastewater. You mm-hmm. use it because it is the general term that most people understand. However, our goal is not to waste the water. It is to treat the water, reclaim yeah. the water, exactly. get the good stuff, get the good stuff out, leave the bad mm-hmm. stuff in. Yeah. And even what we consider the contaminants have some resource value if properly managed. Yeah. So I think the perception among a lot of folks, and this may be elevated depending on the water scarcity in your region, Mm -hmm. it really is changing over time because there is a, an understanding that I think among a growing a number of people that we can't afford to waste the water. The more you know, the more it becomes unacceptable right. to say that, that that this is no longer a usable resource to us and it just needs to be, it needs to go away. Right. I think that is coming into the forefront of more and more people's view. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of that, depending where you live and what conditions you're living under, the, mm-hmm. uh, that, it goes back to that idea of what is the value of water uh, to you as right. an individual. And all of us, I think, have an innate sense of what the value is because we need it to to live, to drink primarily. Clean water. I was just is, thinking, you and I both have water sitting right next to us. So Jeff and I mm-hmm. both, over the course of even just the past 12 minutes, we've both taken drinks of <laughs> our water. Yeah, yeah, and it's an it's a, it's an incredibly important part of so much more than just our day to day health and life. When you look at the right. industries that rely on it, later I'll change my water for a beer, and that beer is going to d- depend upon it being perfectly, you know, good clean water as, as clean a basis water, for yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's repeated over and over in so many different parts of our lives. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think it's really interesting because I think people who live more in rural settings tend to think more about their wastewater because I think it's more top of mind. They don't have an automated system that just takes everything away to a treatment plant someplace. Mm-hmm. Whereas people in the city 
don't necessarily tend to think about it very often. It's a forgotten piece of infrastructure until something fails. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of that is, it's a good reminder for people who live in urban environments, especially to think about why they should care about, because I mean, it's, it's happening to their system too. They just don't know it. I was just going to say most of the time, the failures, unless their toilet is failing, which is a mechanical failure, unless that's happening, they don't even realize if the failure occurs. No, Mm -hmm. but we see, uh, you know, on a weekly day, sometimes daily basis, especially during rainy seasons or whatever, where sewer systems, treatment plants are are Mm -hmm. letting excess wastewater go without being treated just because they've got so much they can't treat it. Yeah, and right. that doesn't affect just that doesn't affect just people who live in the country. That affects everybody. Right. And if it even drop back further in so many other parts of the world where they can't just flush and forget it. Right. It, it, exactly. is, it is an integral part of their lives to have water. And the fact that to have clean water, you might have to spend half the day going to get it to fetch it. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, be aware of the, like you said, Sean, the rural uh, environment is perhaps more mm-hmm. attuned to the to the value of it, but it's got a, a, a certainly a, a different view. I think just the idea that we use drinking water to flush our toilets and right. so many areas, a drop of drinking water or a glass of drinking water that's clean and, and healthy is something that they're, you know, would would love to have on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And yet we waste, you know, we we use that entirely perfectly valuable resource mm-hmm. in in that way. It's amazing. Yeah. So we know that things need to change, right? What types of innovations are occurring both in urban settings and in rural settings? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think a lot of cases, necessity is the mother of invention. And so places that have had water scarcity problems or water quality problems have found ways to work around or find different ways to manage their water. Because really, you know, we're, fundamentally, we're talking about water and avoiding the waste, avoiding the mm-hmm. wasting of it. So I think one of the main innovations is in, I think the perception that people are having that all water is connected. Water is water is water, mm-hmm. a one water view. So the mm-hmm. a growing number of design companies, architects, right, and innovative engineers are are looking at all the water that fall or is used in a in a site as part of one big system, not separated systems. So there's quite a few natural systems that have been used for you know many years with wetland constructed wetlands, been around a while. There are definitely a few innovative ideas of how to manage the, uh, how to remove the waste, I guess, essentially, and reclaim the water from using electricity to, of course, chemicals have been used for a long time to help with that process. I think it appears that using an engineered version of a natural system is one of the ways that innovation is catching on as far as sustainability because we want to keep the energy usage as low as possible to get the outcome that we want, which is the reclaimed water. And that, that the processes that are being investigated often will take advantage of a natural process 
so that the fewer inputs into the system make it easier to manage, lower cost to uh, to operate and maintain. Mm-hmm. I think one of the innovations has been to to decentralize the process and keep the water closer to where it became contaminated in the first place mm-hmm. through de- kind of the decentralized approaches. And that you know, I think the idea of keeping it simple but trying to make sure that we have and resource recovery, I think, uh, in the keeping the phosphorus, if possible, keeping the nutrients available to the as a resource that otherwise would have been part of that waste component. So, in rural settings, you mentioned the decentralized approach. So, septic systems would be a great solution mm-hmm. in rural areas. Yeah, and fundamentally, the septic systems can be a, a an appropriate solution. In the right conditions, they have to be properly designed, properly built, properly managed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the, the way that the, the approach is taking that I think works best is you start with this soil that'll be receiving the treated water. Yep. And mm-hmm. then you work backwards to come up with the, the, envi- the receiving environment is the first step. And then you work backwards towards what do you need. In right. some cases, that basic septic system does need to be given a boost with some level of advanced treatment because you don't have the receiving environment available that it provides ideal conditions. The standard septic system with good soils and the right groundwater conditions uh, is a perfectly viable solution with the right equipment, the right size tanks, the right material, water tightness, mm-hmm. and, and then designing the system appropriately for the site. Right. So what do you think the future looks like for managing sewage? Well, it's kind of interesting to think about what we could do, but in in order to maintain that sustainability, it isn't a future where we can throw a ton of money at it. I think mm-hmm. the the ideal future scenario would be something that is more closed loop with an environment an emphasis on environmental protection, health, human health and health of the of the planet Mm -hmm. Um, moving away from the idea that it's a profit source for companies to use cookie cutter designs uh, independent of how appropriate Mm. it is for that individual situation and i think you know stop looking at it the way we did 100 or 200 years ago we have new technology we have more experience a better understanding of nature of the processes that Mm -hmm. we can use. So, you know, I'd like to think that as we're progressing and implementing alternatives to what has been done in the past, which has been shown to have significant shortcomings, as you said, the overflows, the energy usage, Mm -hmm. the the amount of byproducts, biosolids that aren't being properly used. So I think thinking of it as part of a system that should be designed for the maximum benefit, not just to make something go away. And, you know, as I said, kind of stepping back from what's been acceptable in the past and consider what the impact is going to be on the future of using the correct, appropriate, forward-thinking processes and and approach. Hey, Jeff, I know that... uh Water is a finite resource. We aren't making any more of it. We aren't really losing mm-hmm. any of it. But the problem is that the potable water, the drinkable water, is becoming less and less. 
as we go on. Is this something that good management, like what we've been talking about, is this something that would be a good starting point for that, for reclaiming some of that? Or mm-hmm. do you do you see other stuff coming down down the pike that maybe would help address that at some point? Yeah. So I know this is this is getting more and more of a concern for people, especially as time goes on. You know, water uh, water scarcity is a real thing. Yeah. Right. It's the availability. Right. You have to have the the amount of water you need in that place. It has to be the quality that you need for the purpose that you're going to use it for. As I said, Mm. you don't need to use drinking water to flush a toilet. And you know, ultimately, the 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 way we can move forward is certainly is positive because as you said the the it is a limited resource and while there is certainly a great deal of water let's 70% of the planet is covered in it it's a very thin film and of an even smaller right. amount that is usable in the ways that we need it for health for our sustaining know, our, life our, yeah and not yeah right. right not just ours but all the yeah. other you know mm-hmm. creatures we share the planet with and all the other food animal or the yeah the, the things that are that Everything. depend on it as much as we do right so that you know the i saw a great graphic that just shows if all the water on the planet was in one ball and it put in perspective i mean it's a fraction of the size of the planet yeah and then mm-hmm. another one that shows just the potable water as a fraction of that it's not only imperceptible it's almost imperceptible when you look at the at the scale of the planet and really, that's our challenge is that we have to figure out how to manage it so that everyone dispersed around the globe has access to what they need and we're not wasting it. If we're going to use it, like any other resource that's available to us, we have to be doing that respectfully in such a way that it is looking forward to how the future generations are going to need to use it as well. Right. And reclaiming wastewater is a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the ability is there. I mean, we we have technology, we have knowledge. Part of it is that implementation and getting past these old ideas and acceptance that take yeah take people going maybe out on a limb a little bit, but that's the only way we're going to get there. Right. And we've seen analogs in other parts of our society, and you know the idea of you know, generating power from the roof of every house and how much closer we are to that than we were. And the energy companies have have, have embraced that now after initially starting to kind of push back on that idea, but they realize right. how much benefit it is to them. And so the idea of managing our water better is going to be, a, a I think it's a, it's a global effort and we, we can't ignore it in certain areas. And and only try to be sustainable in certain areas and, and be respectful of the water in some ways, but not across the board. Yeah. I think that is the perfect way to wrap up this episode. <laughs> so with that, we thank you for joining us, Jeff. Yeah. Great conversation. Great conversation. Was, I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something that, that I think people are should continue to learn more. I think the more you know about how amazing water is, uh, the more you can realize that that it is something that's that need, that deserves our respect and become part of the solution. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Jeff. Bye now. We want to thank you again for joining us today. 
Before you go, don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, www.arenco.com. Until next time, have a great day.